Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. It is so good to be here today, and it is so good to be back For those of you who can maybe recognize the face behind the beard, uh, many a year ago, I was actually the youth pastor here for about a decade. For those of you who we are meeting for the first time, hey! (laughs) Uh, My wife, Laura, and I have been married for 22 years, believe it or not. My name is Josh Blair, and we have three amazing teenagers, uh, Leah on the right, Beckham in the middle, and Lexi, they are 19, 17, and 16. And I can read some of your minds already. You're like, how has that guy been married for 22 years and have three children already? Well, in Canada, one of the customs that we have is we marry really, really young, like nine. (laughs) So you do the math. Since traveling away from Fox River, I had the opportunity to go back and serve as an executive pastor at a church in Canada, And for the past five years, I've served in a church in Utah, most recently at a multi-ethnic church called The Point in Salt Lake City with one of my dearest friends, Pastor Corey Hodges. That's me. I'm the guy on the right, in case you were confused. And speaking of friends, Pastor Guy and I have been friends now for, I think it's 18 or 19 years. We've never stopped being in relationship, and it's, you know, this great joy to be coming on staff again, hello Boomerang, at Fox River as the new family's pastor. And you might be thinking, well, what does the family pastor do? When I discover that, I'll let you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Basically, my scope of oversight is birth through high school. So think about children's ministries as well as youth ministries, but it actually extends beyond that because it's not just to your offspring, but it's to you as the parent as well. And so we want to partner in that together, not just provide great quality ministry and programming for your children, but also to come alongside of you as you are the primary nurturer and guides spiritually for your households. And let's be just blunt and honest for a moment, if we could, together today. Everything in the world is fighting against you and the fabric of your family. Can I get someone who will say an amen? And my goal and our goal as a church and a ministry is to come alongside of you and fight with you and for you. How many of you excited about that? So as you get to re-know me after a decade of being away or not, or if it's our first time meeting, stop in the lobby, shake my hand, give me a hug, and let me and you and I exchange dialogue about our fantastic offerings that we have for your children, your teens, and for you as parents. As a church, we've been in a sermon series talking about the book of Acts. 
And we've been talking about how it's the birth of Jesus' church and how it is perpetually and continuing to move forward. Someone say forward. Right, exactly. And so if you have not been able to catch all of the sermons along the way, let me encourage you to go to our website and take a listen because these have been action-packed, encouraging to each and every single one of them. So please go back if you've missed any and catch up. And I just want to say that I couldn't be more excited to be back. It's really, really kind of this surreal, strange, yet familiar dichotomy but specifically to be preaching in this series about the church. Because you see, when I became a Christian as a high schooler, I was not raised in a Christian uh, home. The church became the epicenter of my life. And it's been a gift from God to me and my household. You see, I came to faith first in my household. And it's through the influence of Jesus in my life that my parents eventually followed in that path as well. And praise be to God, they are now Christ followers too. Now I was raised in a loving home. My parents adopted me as an infant. I was a spoiled only child. And they supported me in everything. But they didn't know Jesus until after I did. And so that was part of God's influence and design and plan for me to be able to model what it is to be a Christ follower to my parents. And there may be some of you in the room today who you are praying because you have a friend, a family member who's not yet received Jesus. And can I just say, keep praying, keep trusting, and God will do the rest. The love and acceptance that I received as a new Christian walking into the doors of that church in those middle, young, teen years was amazing. It was so encouraging because my life before I was a Christian was very different than the church people I knew. I swore a lot. I was arrogant. I was conceited. I was independent. And I even did donuts and did burnouts in the church parking lot, and they said it was okay. Don't let Mark know. But they embraced me, and they welcomed me into the family. And friends, that is one of the traits of an unstoppable church. Accepting and including others because the church isn't just a place to go. No, the church is a place to be known as well as to know others. It's a place to belong before you behave. It's a place where no perfect people are allowed. So come as you are, but do not stay that way. Does that give you hope, friend, tonight? I hope it does. God's calling to me to be a pastor allowed my life and my vocation to come together in this beautiful tapestry. And I'm so grateful that that's how he orchestrated and planned things to be in my life. So that I could really live out what the motto of the church is. That the church is the hope of the world because the message of the church is Jesus. Yeah, I'll take that. I will. And so I want to encourage you to follow along with me in your Bibles today. If you would open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, 
find chapter 9. And in a moment's time, I'm going to read verse 31. And then as we continue on in our time together this evening, we're going to look at chapters 10 and 11 briefly. But let's take a look then at what it says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. What this verse is saying is the church was on the move. It was growing and it was being built up. Two weeks ago, Pastor Rob introduced us and taught us about the Apostle Paul and how the Apostle Paul was on mission to destroy the church. He was fighting off Christians, and he had a cataclysmic change come over his life. We call that a conversion. And Saul became Paul, and Saul went from persecuting the church to Paul, the proclaimer of the church. Radical, amazing transformation that God did. And then in Acts 10 and 11, there's this shift that takes place. We move from the main character being Paul to the main character being Peter. From a church basically known in one geographical region surrounding Jerusalem to a movement of churches all throughout the Middle East extending to the Mediterranean. And that's not a really new thing. It's actually been the heartbeat of God throughout the pages of Scripture. You see, God never really wanted to be just the God of the Old Testament. That's why there's a New Testament. God didn't want to be just a a God to the Hebrew people, but he wanted to be a God to all peoples. And so he tried initially to work through the people of Israel, the, the Jews, the Hebrew nation. But just like you and like me, sometimes we obey and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're stubborn, sometimes we're not. And so God promised, like in the, in the moments with Abraham, that I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore, and that you and your descendants will be a blessing for generations to come. God was doing this thing that was birthed long ago, but it's manifesting itself now in the pages of the book of Acts. And thanks be to God that that's the case. That in his loving kindness, the church moves from being Jewish in its focus and centrality to being a church for everyone. And thanks because, let's just be honest, joining the Jewish church comes with a lot of challenges. The first being dietary restriction. I don't know about you, but to say bye-bye to To bratwurst means I can't eat pork at all anymore. To have to say no more cheeseburgers because you can't have meat and dairy in the same meal. And if you happen to like shellfish, that's on the no list as well. And it goes on because not only is there these dietary restrictions, there's also some sort of resemblance things. And most of you men would now look like me. And lastly... Oh, baby, hold on tight. Church membership, there's this thing called circumcision that was required for church membership. Ouch. Ouch. We have believer's baptism. Who's ready to get dunked tonight? (laughs) Right? So much lower of a threshold. 
This is the shift that God has ordained and purposed that the church would move from a church of a people group to a movement of churches to all the peoples of earth, of all of God's creation, a church of everyone. Now I want to pause and just ask and encourage you guys to go back to the book of Acts this week to chapter 10 and chapter 11 and give it a thorough read. The reason for it is I can't cover it all today. And you can see, if you go to the QR codes, uh, some more information about our discussion groups. If you'd like to learn more about that, scan that now and get into one of those because there's just some great things found in these two chapters. But I want to highlight, I want to whet your appetite, so to speak, so that when you are reading them this week, you'll, they'll come to life. The first is, there's this encounter where Peter has a vision. God gives Peter a vision. Secondly, an angel appears to Cornelius, and we'll talk about him in a moment's time. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit fills the Gentile believers. Man, that's going to be some good reading, huh? Let me encourage you to go back this week, like I said, because we aren't going to be able to cover it all today. So let's talk about this non-Jewish man, Cornelius, for a moment. He is a Gentile. What does the word Gentile mean? It means he's non-Jewish. Real basic definition here. And he was a soldier in the Roman army. So think Rome's in Italy. He's an Italian soldier. And he is being ushered into, he's being brought into the family of God. And this is a huge thing to easily just kind of pass over and glance by. You're like, okay, moving on, reading quickly. Don't. Slow down. Let it soak in. This is huge. God's heart is on display here. Cornelius is not a Jew, yet God is calling him into the family. And you have to understand there's a lot more to the story going on here between Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles hated each other. Like nine or ten out of ten hatred. Like the worst possible uh, rift in relationship. Not only did they hate each other, they didn't even like tolerate one another. They didn't even care to know anything about one another. They just simply hated one another. They were repulsed by one another in a major way. Not even interested in knowing somebody on the other side of the road. But God is doing something. He's orchestrating something here to make the church a church for everyone where we all don't look alike. Where we all don't look alike. And to me, that's a picture of God's heart. And as churches become more and more diverse... It's a glimpse, it's a sliver of what heaven will look like. And I think that's a great thing. So Peter has this vision, and God tells him to wake up and kill and eat some animals that are deemed previously unclean. And in Peter's kind of gregarious uh, uh, way of dealing with what God's told him, he says, but God, I don't know about you, but anytime you said, but God, how's that worked out for you? And God's like, do not call anything impure that which God has made clean. Acts chapter 10 and verse 15. Don't do that, Peter. And so what we have then is this amazing thing. Peter receives permission from God to, to be able to eat something that would have previously been sin. Can you imagine the tension that's going on inside of Peter? It would have been unthinkable, right? 
And it really parallels the fact that Jesus came not to just fulfill, to do more than fulfill the law, right? Or excuse me, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So there's no more tabernacle, there's no more temple, there's no more sacrificial system. Jesus was the one who was the penultimate sacrifice. And in his sacrifice, it wasn't just for the Hebrew people, it was for all people. And we are direct recipients of that blessing. So when Cornelius and Peter meet, the stage is set for this. Check this. Community rather than disunity. You've got a Hebrew man, a Gentile man, and they become intertwined into relationship because God is doing something new. Friends, this is massive. This is humongous. This is flip the script upside down. Wow, hold on to your seats large. This is completely uncharted and brand new territory, what God is doing. And it was so significant that Pastor Peter, we'll call him, was about to get thrown out of the church because here he is preaching to Gentiles. Gentiles are responding to the grace of the gospel of Jesus and everyone's getting mad about it. And it underscores a virtue that is common to each and every single one of us. And that virtue is this. Hate is easy and love is hard. Hate is easy and love is hard. Think about that for a moment. Now as Christ followers and as Fox River Christian Church, we attempt and strive to do the hard thing. We love And we step across lines of demarcation because the church isn't for just people who look like me, think like me, speak like me, but the church is for everyone. Amen? So the Gentiles hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus. They respond to the gospel of Jesus. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. This miraculous thing takes place underscoring, proving the momentum that God is doing this thing to make the church for everyone. And so turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. We're going to take a look at verse 34. It's actually going to be on the screens. And I want to read this verse together in unison if we could. So finding it here, Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Read with me this. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Did you catch that? God does not show favoritism. This is just kind of teasing out this whole idea that the church is for everyone. It's no longer just for the Hebrew people. It's going across that cultural divide and reaching Gentile people. This is good news for all to hear. It's for you. It's for me. It's for everyone. And we go down a number of verses later to verses 39 through 43, and I'll just read this for us. We are witnesses of everything he did. All that he in here is Jesus. In the country of the Jews in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on the cross, but God raised him up from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one who God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins 
through his name. There's two things I want you to circle, underline, or highlight in your Bibles right now. The first is found in verse 42. It says, preach to the people. Notice it's an all-encompassing people. It doesn't say one kind of people. And then lastly, in verse 43, it says, everyone who believes. At the foot of the cross, it is as wide as it can be for everyone to come. No one is left out. The church is for everyone. So this word got back to Jerusalem, all this activity that Peter was preaching to these non-Jews, and they were responding, and they questioned Peter about it. And Peter says this, we are to make no distinction. He goes back to the leaders of the Jewish church and says, we are to make no distinction. If God gave them the same gift of the Holy Spirit, who am I to get in the way? Wow. Do you sometimes get in the way of what God's trying to accomplish? I have. I have. God's making a new way for people to come to relationship through the repentance of himself through Jesus. Through Jesus, the church has become a church for everyone. Is that true for you today? A couple weeks back, Pastor Rob made this declarative statement, and I'm going to steal it from him. I'm not asking, I'm just stolen it. Do you know somebody that it'd be a miracle for them to receive Jesus? How many of you remember that? And that hit me so hard when he said that. And I started thinking about people in my life, past, present. And I'm like, whoa. Maybe that's you. You might think, whoa, I'm too far from God. God would never forgive me of my sins. I'm too messed up. Or maybe you think that about someone else. You, you view them through a set of lenses that says, whoa, they're far from God. There's no way. It'd have to be a miracle. If you've ever had those thoughts, both either personally or about someone else, you're in very good company with the Jews in Peter's day. You're probably in good company of people who examined my life from a distance when I first came to faith as a rowdy high schooler. Yeah. Maybe you're here tonight, today, and you've not yet begun a personal relationship with Jesus. Let me encourage you to keep listening in and decide today for yourself because God loves you. It says in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that God so loved the world. It doesn't say God so liked the world. It said that he so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus. He sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me and build a bridge of relationship that we could never build on our own. Praise be to God. And so a lot of these Jewish believers got really irate with Peter and what was going on. You know, these Gentiles, Peter, I don't know if you know this or not, but they don't follow our customs. Really? Like that's enough? The line that can't be crossed? You know, God's the God for us. We're his chosen people. Do you remember that, Peter? But he said, make no distinction. Make no distinction. No distinction. The church is for everyone. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it really levels the playing ground for each and every single one of us. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's you, that's me, that's everyone. All is an inclusive word here, okay? And so the church is for everyone, no matter what they believe, no matter 
where they live, their lifestyle, their political alliance or stance, their socioeconomic position, even if they like the Chicago Bears. I may have been gone for 10 years, but I'm still a Packers fan. There's a children's song that some of us grew up singing. If we grew up in the church, I learned it much later in life. And just be thankful I don't lead worship here, but it goes like this. Jesus loves the little children. Sing along if you know it. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Good job. Man, that song's kind of racist, ain't it? Think about it for a second. Red and yellow, black and white? That wasn't written today. Nope. Put all that racist stuff aside for a moment and tell me if the lyrics are true or not. Man, they are true. Jesus loves everyone. No matter race, no matter geography, no matter wealth, no matter gender, Jesus loves everyone. Everyone. That is so encouraging. How about you? Do you love everyone? When I went to the Point Church in Salt Lake City, I was a minority. I was not familiar with their way of doing church. It was different. It felt different. It functioned differently. And I just want to tell you, it was good. It was good. I learned to experience church in a new way. There were a lot of cultural exchanges happening where we learned from one another. A man named Tim befriended me and asked lots of questions to get to know me, and it made me feel welcome. Another man named Ansel was a leader in the church, and he made sure that he introduced me to every single person, sometimes multiple times. He wasn't sure if I met them or not yet. And that was great. And I don't know if it was easy or not for them to cross the racial road and befriend me. I don't know. But I do know this. It was worth it. It was so, so worth it. And speaking of the Point Church, just for a moment, you have to understand a little bit about it contextually because you guys have not been there. It's about a 100-year-old church founded in 1923 as a black church in Salt Lake City, Utah, Mormon country, that's Half as diverse as Wisconsin. Imagine that. Let that picture kind of formulate in your mind. And a number of years ago, they said, you know what? The church just isn't for black folks like us. It's for all people. And so they began praying and planning to become a multicultural church. And thanks to their leadership, it's become that. And it represents the scripture that says every tribe, nation, and tongue. Because praise be to God, that church now has representation of over 35 nations. Wow. They're modeling for the world, the watching world, that the church is for everyone. Friend, it starts with love, though. It starts with love. Do you love your different than you, friend, neighbor, coworker? Do you do so in such a way that you would care to do life with them? 
get to know them, serve them, share a meal with them, pray for them. Can I just meddle for a moment before we wrap up and ask a question? Do you tolerate people or do you extend grace? You see, tolerance is this thing. It's outward, right? But inwardly, there's a judgment kind of surrounding and underlying it. But grace is inward and outward. Let me ask you some questions to see where you land on the scale of tolerance or grace. Do you put up with others? Do you judge? Do you make fun of them? Do you laugh? Do you mock them? Do you pick up your table and go and sit at another one? Or do you extend grace towards them? Do you get to know them? Do you treat them like you would want to be treated? Do you listen? Do you care? How you answer these questions will begin to reveal if you are grace-oriented or tolerant-oriented. And as grace recipients, each and every single one of us who's trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we've received more grace than we deserve. We then, therefore, must be grace givers to truly love others. Is it easy? No, but it's worth it. It's worth it every time. You see, God has set divine appointments in each of our lives that only you can fulfill. I can't be your neighbor for you. I can't be your coworker to your coworkers. I might be able to befriend some of your friends, and I probably won't get grafted into your family tree. And so therefore, God has placed you in different spheres of influence to be just that, an influence, an ambassador of Jesus, to be the embodiment of a church for everyone. Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Each and every single one of us has a lot of people in our spheres of influence. And so I want to distill the application of this sermon into a short and hopefully sticky statement. And it's this. No one, reach one. I want to challenge each and every single one of us this week to invite someone to coffee or a meal who is different than you. And second challenge is invite someone to come to church with you before the summer ends. Again, you can pull out your phone, you can scan the QR codes, and you can grab printable invitations that you can use to invite someone to come to church. You're here. That tells me you more than like the church. What might happen if somebody attends church with you? No one. Reach one. The church is the hope of the world. And Fox River Christian Church is a church for everyone. Because our heart is people. All people. And our message is Jesus. So the bottom line comes down to these two questions. Who is the gospel for, and who are we for? The answer for the first will also be the answer for the second. Everyone. The gospel is for everyone, therefore we are for everyone. If you would, bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. Jesus, we come to you incredibly full of gratitude for the works of the cross that right a broken relationship 
that we'd never be able to write on our own. And God, as we go out from here, man, we don't want to go out the way that we came in. May we be convicted and challenged that the church is for everyone and that we would tell people, invite people into the best life, the Christ life. God, do that in me. Do that in us. To you be the glory forever and ever. We love you, and in your name we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.